Hello everybody, I am your host Max Stadone, and this is the second episode of Max on Wheels. In this episode, we will be talking about six successes and six flops from Geneva 2019. For those people who don't know what Geneva is, it's a car show, like really big one, that all the really big car companies like Ferrari, Lamborghini, and even some other car companies that we, we don't even really know about come off to show their cars, maybe sell a little, maybe make some headlines. Who knows? But I'm gonna, like I said, do six successes and six flops from Geneva 2019. And before I get into this, before somebody gets super mad at me saying, oh yeah, so and so and so, this list is subjective. This is just my opinion. You're free to have your own. You're free to disagree with me, but Again, just my opinion, and I hope you guys really enjoy it. The first success, what I think, really think it is, the Honda Urban UV. Coming out in 2020, 2019, it's been kind of surfing around that kind of area. But all in all, it's a really good car, just overall. It's a Honda electric car, very small. But it's not not really meant for um, country, kind of just outside the cities, really meant for densely populated areas, kind of, for example, Tokyo, New York City. But New York City isn't really a good one because it won't be for sale in the U.S. It has a good 150 miles on a single charge. And if you think about that, if you're driving in the city a lot, that's actually, that's, that really isn't that bad. You can go one to one to two, maybe even three days on the full charge. And Zuzu, 60, 10 seconds, but then just who really want to go 60 miles per hour in a densely populated area that have risks of crashing. But overall, I think just a great car, small, great for the city, and just really convenient. Plus, it's electric. You're not producing any greenhouse gas. So, so you're not really harming the earth at the same time. What I consider as a win-win. On to the next success is a Koenigsegg Jesko. For those people who don't really know what Koenigsegg is, well, it's a Swedish car company that makes amazing cars that can go that can go really, really, really fast. And they even put Bugatti on, on guard. Really been fighting for like fastest car production in the world. But right now, I'm talking about the Koenigsegg Jesko. It's named after the founder, Jesko von Koenigsegg, and it's made his car. It's a 5-liter twin-turbo V8 producing 1,280 horsepower on standard gasoline. But if you use biofuel, it creates 1,600 horsepower. Then, I mean, that's, that's great and all, but... Where the heck can you find biofuel? I, I don't, I've never seen any gas station or anywhere that you can find biofuel here, at least where, I, where, I, where I've been. But good luck finding biofuel once you do, you get that sweet 1600 horsepower with a nine speed light speed transmission that can, they can shift from ninth to first gear in milliseconds. That's Pretty impressive and designed to go over 300 miles per hour this car is a beast well if you could find bio fluid <laughs> but all in all i think i think it's success because overall they're 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 hand built they've always been really reliable over the years and they're always kind of changing up their styling design and also one really cool thing about it, the gauge cluster is not it's not on a console it's actually on the actual wheel itself but when you turn the wheel left or right, the gauge cluster still stays horizontal. So let you turn it, it's it's not turning with you. You have to read it kind of your head tilted. You just turn it and it's just still straight. I think that's pretty cool. 
On to the next success. And some of these cars I don't know how to pronounce, so let me just try. Janetta Aluk Akula. Janetta Akula. I'm just gonna leave it at that. You're missing. No, you guys don't know what it was. I don't didn't know what it was until I was reading an article about it. It looks seems like a pretty interesting car. And also pretty like one of the most affordable successes on this success list. Two hundred miles per hour. 6 liter V8, just 600 horsepower, and only weighing 2,535 pounds. It's so light. I mean, compared to the Jesco of the Koenigsegg, it's, it's like a feather. On top of the 6-speed manual gearbox, and for those people who uh, don't, don't know me, I love manuals. I, th- I, th- I think there's the best way to drive a car, and on top of all of that, like, what could get better? Well, I would say the front end, because it's not the prettiest, but the rear is nice, but the front, I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan, but it's a pretty cool car, so check it out. On to the next success. We are now talking about the Fidati F8 Chabuto. It's technically just a version of the Ferrari 488 Pista, but more casual. 488 Pista is like track ready, take it out to Laguna Seca, like freaking rip it on there, go home, and still be able to drive it. But then you don't want those racing seats, kind of want more luxury, more comfort, more everyday needs, and seats that do not hug you like a bear. So the 488 Tributo is, like I said, a more down 488 Pista version. With a 3.9 liter V8, that uh, it's kind of unusual for a Ferrari. That summons 710 horsepower and 568 pound-feet of torque. It's pretty, pretty fast. It's kind of up there again. To the 48 was there to to replace the the four the four five eight four fifty eight Italia. But the F8 is really um, taking all the racing from the 48, but then kind of putting it into a more modern-looking car but with the same body i think it's pretty pretty cool but definitely not a ferrari i would buy on to the next success okay so this is i don't really know how to pronounce this turns out that this company has been around since 1896 and so somehow i've never knew about it but now they're really kind of coming out of the shadows giving the tesla roads to run for its money the 2020 <laughs> pin in pin in fina Batista, I that that's all that I'm saying. With 1,900 horsepower electric hypercar. Oh my God, that's even that's 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 more than the Jesco. And only 150 units are made. And turns out half of them are already sold. And zero and zero to 60 under two seconds, which is pretty pretty nice. It says it will beat the Tesla Roadster in performance wise and going to a top speed of 217. But the Roadster is faster. But the price tag is. million dollars which is by far nowhere i mean nowhere affordable but i think it's really cool because it's really punching a hole through the big gas-powered sports cars and really coming out green no emissions but also still doing what it was designed to do to really beat other supercars now on to the next success it is by far my favorite looking success car if not my favorite aston martin of all time it is the Aston Martin AMR001B. Pretty stupid name, but it's also called the Valkyrie. 
top speed, 250 miles per hour, has a 6.5 liter V12. And when you see a V12 in t- by today's standard, now it's all literally just a bunch of V8 twin turbos. But now they're come. But now Aston Martin's coming in with a V12. Pretty, pretty surprised by that. But 0 to 60, two and a half seconds, pretty, pretty fast. And it has the same doors as you could find on McLaren. And I looked at them and I agreed that Aston Martin did it better. To me, whatever money it is, I I would like to buy one. It looks that good. Just, just, when you search it up, it just comes up with the Valkyrie um, concept images. But just look up the RB001 from Geneva 2019. And you kind of get what I'm saying. I'll put on that racing green. But now, onto the flops of it. Now, this is the part where I was getting, it was getting a little subjective because I'm going to men- mention a whole lot of very iconic cars and you guys may not like it. But then again, it's just my opinion. Starting off with the flops. You guys may be super, super surprised with this, but it's the Lamborghini Huracan Evo. My, you guys may be saying, Max, why the heck is the Lamborghini a flop? Well... I have my reasons. So, first of all, it has a V10. Okay, yeah, seems like seems like like the 2014 model that I can get for like a quarter less of the price. 640 horsepower at 8,000 RPM. Not too bad. But here's the thing: it looks exactly the same as um as any other Huracan. It's like if you buy this, you you might as well. If you think of buying that. The, the Evo, you should might as well buy a 2014 used Huracan, but then you know Lamborghinis, either way, they go up in value, so pretty much getting the same car with the same engine, with a little less horsepower, with a, with a little less, but still looks more or less exactly the same, but then why are you paying for that extra tiny horsepower, that extra little tiny, tiny selling differences, doesn't really make sense to me at all, I think it's kind of stupid that, well, it's like, we don't need another variant of the of the Huracons. The normal Huracon, the LP610, now the Evo, now, now the performance version. And now it's, come on, Lamborghini. Y- you know better. Now onto the next flop is the Porsche 911 Carrera 4S. This is pretty much the same exact case as the Lamborghini. Looks exactly the same. And if you want one that looks, like, then again, almost exactly the same, you get yourself a used one, like a 2006 7 for half the price, if not even three quarters of the price, and they still look the same. I'm like the only thing that they change is the, is the rear end of the Porsche, but nothing else. And also, those cars go up in value either way. Same thing as the Lambo. But I just I don't see why I don't see why someone would buy a 911 in today's money. We can get so much other stuff for the money. On to the next flop. It is the Bentley Continental. It is a then again, the same case with the Porsche and the Lamborghini. But unlike those two, these cars depreciate like the stock crash in 08. It's just insane. I can buy a 2003 Bentley Continental GT Speed for $24,000 to $30,000. But new, it was around $250,000. And if someone is stupid enough to buy a, a brand new Continental... They are losing money. The minute when you start that car and drive it out the lot, you lost pretty much over, mm, I'm going to let them here and say $150,000 out of your pocket. Just 
goes away. Even though, one thing I'll say, I'll just get an old one, rally build it, because the all-wheel drive is phenomenal on these cars. But if you want something that's kind of luxury, but you want to go in the snow with it, and not and not worry about getting stuck, I, I recommend the Continental, because why not go out in the snow in your $290,000 car? Why not? On to the next. It is the Audi. The Audi Q4 e-tron which is going to be out in 2020 or 2025 and in, in that kind of margin. The reason why I ranked, I ranked it a flop, the third worst, because it really has nothing to offer. Tesla's just dominating the competition right now with the Model S and the, the Roadster, the 3, but also the coming out the Model Y, which is kind of in between the 3 and the the 3 and the S. But Audi is just... They're not bringing so much to the table. It's and it only has 6.3 seconds, zero to 62 miles per hour, 280 of driving range. That's nice, but I can get myself a Model S with more mileage on that, even though it could be a little more expensive. Just it's not really offering anything new. I that's why that's why I linked it. I ranked it solo because honestly, why why pick an Audi where you can go with a brand new Tesla with probably technology that's even better and better range? So that was me to my next flop, which is <laughs> this car just makes me laugh. It is oh god, it's the Edon Green ZRR Rolls Royce, and it just looks so ugly. Oh my. god. Is 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 they're kind of trying to mix the 30s fenders, like the teardrop that kind of go down the side with new. It's it you're like what are you trying to prove here? You're not proving anything. It it just makes the car looks like a wannabe 20 the no, 30s. I, I I it just it just doesn't look great with the teardrop, and especially in this day and age, who 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 would drive? Who can drive that? We can have brand new styling instead of having that really, really old, like hecka old um, designs. I, I like, I like what some car companies are doing, kind of going back with the doing older designs. But that is like too old. It just doesn't look so good. And now that brings me to the final flop. I mean, it, it's it's a monstrosity. It is the Bugatti La Vota Noir. I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing that right, but I I don't I don't know. This this car's just a twelve. So La Vota Noir, it's a it's a car. It means a black car in French, and it was made after the '30s Bugattis type 57 and they say to kind of look a little more like it because it was celebrating a year um when john bugatti's type 57 uh car it looks nothing nothing at all like the type 57 i mean it's it's like the ceo of bugatti was like trying to throw a trying to throw a door blindfolded and just decided to go with that i mean it's it's a 12 and a half million dollar monstrosity honestly i mean but then then again who just has twelve and a half million dollars just lying around? But then also, who has the idea to say, you know what? You know what? I'm gonna spend twelve and a half million dollars on one car that I can't even drive. But then we'll say, Max, how come it's a body with four wheels and an engine? Why can't you drive it? Well, you know, you have to have insurance. If you want to drive it on public roads. And since the car is too expensive, I'm pretty sure every single insurance company will be like, I am not covering your $2.5 million dollar Bugatti. Because if you total that thing 
That would be terrible because it's a one out of one. They are not paying you two and a half million dollars. I can almost guarantee that. And then even if you do decide to drive it and be like, oh yeah, I'm going to drive it anyway. Let's say you gain a little fender bender. A guy from France, where the, where the Bugatti headquarters is, has to fly out all the way to where you are, get an appraisal, report back to the people in in France, then ship your car over to France, fix it, which will probably take a really long time, because you know it's a Bugatti, they don't let you do anything to it, and then ship it back. But, you know, I say, oh yeah, it's the worst thing in the world. Well, we'll have to put things in perspective. You cannot action the en- the engine bay at all by yourself. Also, you can only put oil into the car. That's the only thing you can pretty much do to it. That you can only put oil into it, that's it. And so let's you want to get your oil change. Just put things in perspective here. $20,000 for oil change on a Bugatti Veyron, which is a little bit the older model, but I can't imagine because they have to take off the whole rear bumper and then empty it and put it all... They have to take apart the whole entire car just to access the oil. So imagine repairing like a whole fender or a bumper of that. I mean, that um, that would just be terrible. And, and then, then another thought came that why would you spend that much money on a car? I mean, the only, the only reason why you would do it for it can collect value um, over a period of time. But it's going to take, I mean, probably if you keep that for 20 years, you're probably going to make $12.5 million already off it because it's a one-on-one special edition. But then you're pretty much buying something that you can't even drive. I mean, it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't really make that good of a sense for me. Well, I've, it just confuses me. Well, anyway, that... That's going to be the end for this podcast. And thank you so much for listening if you did. And also, especially, thank you so much for listeners who listened to my first podcast episode. I was astounded of how many listens I got. I got over 50 listens in a matter of a week on my first episode. I I am just... I'm just amazed. Thank you so much. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. And please forgive me if you hear my mic shaking around a lot because I have to hold it up in my hand while I'm talking because the tripod is pretty, pretty terrible. I will have later podcasts to come. So thank you. Please stick around for see you guys in the next podcast episode. Thank you.